Canadian priest and seer Father Michel Rodrigue predicted that the purification would begin this fall with great things happening in October. So, what happened? We discuss that next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from thenowword.com and countdown to the kingdom.com. Well, before I go any further, I want to invite into the studio from his studio in Albany, New York, Professor Daniel O'Connor. Good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you again, Mark. Been a while. Good to be back after a bit of a break. Yeah, many people were asking if we would come back and do videos, and we basically said if we're alive, we probably will. And you seem to be very alive. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, some, somehow we've made it this far. Who knows how much longer we have left, but as uh, as long as as many days as God gives me, I'm going to keep saying this stuff. I don't know about you, Mark. I think you will as well. I know. I know. Everything is crazy. It's one day at a time. Uh, uh, you know, as I said to a priest just before the webcast, the Lord is our strength. And that's that's really true because everything going on right now in the world, it's, it's so hard to keep up to it. And it's happening fast. And you know what's what really has impressed for me regarding that, for me personally, Daniel, is that, as I, I, I've told you before many years ago, our Lord said to me in my heart that the, there would be a great storm coming like a hurricane upon the world. And of course, with a hurricane, the closer you get to the eye of the storm, the faster the winds get, the faster things become. And this is exactly as we are seeing as we get closer and closer to the eye of the storm, which we believe is that warning, that illumination of, con of conscience that many seers and mystics have been speaking about. Well, yeah. Yeah, you, go ahead. We are seeing the winds picking up to the point where uh, mm -hmm. the you know approaching the eye wall seems to be the uh, the reasonable conclusion. But we're not <laughs> going to, uh, you know, we're when seers make specific predictions, we are going to uh, we're going to hold them to that, and we're yeah. going to really take a look at the events that have happened. We're going to analyze what has happened, and we're going to consider whether the prophecies have been fulfilled. So, and that brings us to well, Father Michel. Now that the month of October is behind us. That's right, and Father Michel made a very specific prophecy regarding this coming fall, regarding October, the month of October, the month of the Rosary, which we just went through. So, before we go any further, let's turn to that right now, that uh, prophecy that he gave. This was in a letter to supporters on March 26, 2020, and Father Michel said this, My dear people of God, we are now passing a test. The great events of purification will begin this fall. Be ready with the rosary to disarm Satan and to protect our people. Make sure that you are in the state of grace by having made your general confession to a Catholic priest. The spiritual battle will begin. Remember these words, the month of the rosary will see great things. Well, that's pretty specific, Daniel. Yeah. And it's clearly been fulfilled because I got a new mug in the month of the rosary. <laughs> that's not a I'm mug, sorry, that's the I Holy Grail. It. <laughs> sorry, sorry to break down a few notches there. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't find my pewter mug right now, so you have to go with copper. Wow. So that's one great thing that October has already seen. No, but um, but seriously, we want to take a look at, at a number of, <laughs> number of actual things that October has seen. And uh, we are not, you know, as I said, we're not going to just try and read events into one prophecy or another. I, speaking for myself, I'll just say, look, if, if fall 2020 
uh, comes and goes without a purification very clearly picking up, then then I will leave Father Michel's prophecies aside. Right. We are discerning Father Michel. He's a living. We're discerning all of the living seers on Countdown of the Kingdom. We believe that he should be taken seriously. He's a priest in good standing. He uh, he seems to be a holy and orthodox priest. Not that we know anyone's soul, of course. We're not convinced. We've seen many arguments against him at this point. We don't plan on responding to any more, but uh, we haven't been convinced by the ones we've seen. So we continue to discern him. Right, and I, you know, my personal feeling is is we see what is happening in the world unfolding so rapidly that this, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to those who are who are critiquing Father Michel, but at this time it seems like they're criticizing the curtains while the house is burning. I mean, here you have a specific prophecy from Father Michel. Let's wait and see. I mean, if it, if it doesn't happen, then we kind of know where we stand with Father Michel. Well, well, here we are now at the beginning of November. The month of October has gone by. We're definitely in the fall. And we need to take a look at what has happened in October. He said, great things will happen in the month of the Rosary. And so, why don't we take a look at these things and we can judge for, let our viewers judge for themselves. Yeah, great let's let our happen. viewers judge. Let's let's present the facts of what has transpired. Can you cue that prophecy up for a moment again mm-hmm. on the screen? I just want to underline here <clears throat> the word, if I can um, find it here. He says, we are now. <laughs> I thought... I thought my eyes were going to go right to this, and now I'm not seeing it. But he says somewhere in this prophecy, even if it's not in the uh, paragraph in front of you, he says that we're now... Oh, I'm sorry. It's right in front of my eyes. We are now passing a test. Yeah. Yes. And he said this when? In March of this year. He says we are now passing a test. So consider what was happening when he said that in March 2020. What was happening? Well, everything was beginning to be locked down. And I've argued in a previous webcast, and Mark has written beautifully on this in the past, that this, this, these events that we've seen have been a test. Everybody is being tested right now. But above mm-hmm. all, the church has been tested. And boy, was the church tested with these lockdowns. And again, I'm not saying that priests and bishops need to just flagrantly disobey absolute civil mandates. I'm not saying that. But we were given a test as a church to see how seriously we took our Lord, how seriously we took the sacraments, how seriously we took, above all, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and the Mass. And the church flunked that test. The test that we were given in this initial wave of lockdowns, we flunked it. I've said before, I think, that it's kind of worse than we flunked it. You know, as a as a professor, I can I give Fs if a student, like, tries but just can't manage to get a 60% at the end of the semester. But if they just don't even try, if they just stop showing up, I am actually required to give them what's called a Z grade. A Z grade says that they didn't even try. They just stopped showing up. Um, It tells like financial people, the financial institutions that there's a problem here. But anyway, the church, it seems in many ways, was guilty of a Z grade here. It just rolled over and gave up. Yeah, we, we closed the churches without a blink, and not only that, the standards that were imposed in the churches, such as taking people's names at the door, ready to submit to authorities, is, is extraordinary and shocking. It, it's really been shocking to many of us. 
And and it it brings to mind a prophecy that our colleague Peter Dan- Bannister uh, discovered of Father Delindo. He's servant of God, Father Delindo, a priest who lived uh, in the beginning of the the twentieth century. And when we found this this week, our jaws dropped. But I just want to turn to one paragraph of that prophecy right now, where he says the church will almost seem abandoned, and everywhere her ministers will desert her. Even the churches will have to close. Folks, that was said in 1920. That is almost 1921. That is almost a hundred years ago that this was predicted. And I've done a whole writing on this as to, you know, the significance of that hundred years and so on. But you're absolutely right, Daniel. We, we have, uh, we, the church has been weighed and we have been found wanting. And so one of the major things now that we are seeing happening again this month is we are entering again into lockdowns. And as you saw on your screen just a little bit earlier, in Ireland, priests are facing prison for saying mass in public. And you know what? We turned over. We rolled over as a church. We said to the state, we'll do whatever you want us to do. And we we will let the liquor store stay open, the abortion clinics. All this stuff can stay open. We'll fly. We'll go on plane. We'll do all this stuff. But our churches, we're going to empty them. Or or, or we'll maybe allow a few people in, even if it's a thousand-seater church. So here we are. I think that is one of the significant things. But it's not the most significant, Daniel. And the thing is, the the... Well, yeah, there's. <laughs> uh, we think that there's that there's a very clear fulfillment, actually, of what Father Michel is talking about. We'll get to that shortly, but we emphasize this first round of lockdowns as a test because the implication here is that what we're about to see—I shouldn't say what we're about to see—what we're already seeing now in many countries, especially in Europe, and which will probably expand to be nearly universal soon. This is no longer the test. The, the test was the first wave of lockdowns. We flunked mm. that test. Not everybody, you know, at that on Judgment Day will stand before God as individuals. But still, as a church, by and large, we have flunked the test. So that means that what's coming is not the test. The test has happened and we've received the grade. What's coming next is the purification. This next wave of lockdowns, it seems highly unlikely that it will simply be a replay of the first. It seems... By the look of the signs of the times and the nature of the prophecies and the fever pitch prophetic urgency that we're seeing in these in these recent messages, and we'll get to a few of them before we run out of time today, it seems that what's coming next is much more than a replay, but it's going to be much more severe in terms of our freedoms being restricted, in terms of new types of purification bursting forth into the church and into the world, because the test is passed. You know, lockdowns and these types of things that we're talking about, the churches are already beginning to close. France, Italy, I believe you said Belgium, um, Ireland, Belgium. and so on. It's just one country and after another. In fact, me just saying this now, I know will be old news by the time I've got this uploaded and people are watching it, probably. So that is pretty significant. And my personal feeling is these lockdowns on the church, <clears throat> we're not going to see them lifted, probably, unless there's going to be new things coming in, new demands, and so on. But that's a whole other webcast about what's coming. But another major story unfolding, not in the Western media so much, but all in other places in the world, especially in Asia, is what what we're seeing happening between China and America. And we'll just show you one headline here. Chinese President Xi Jinping, uh, Xi Jinping tells troops to focus on preparing for war. This is serious. And look at the date of that of that news story there. 
That's October 14th. That was during the month of October, yeah. Great thing. So, you know, again, <clears throat> oh, and that, you know, we, should, we should acknowledge your great. Uh, some people have misinterpreted that as good. Right. Uh, great does not mean good. Just great means big. Uh, momentous. This is big. Yeah. Yeah. Momentous. Exactly. Momentous. And this really is uh, the, the, the rattle saber, the, the sabers being rattled right now between the United States and China mm-hmm. are, are more serious than we've ever seen. There's things happening. We're not going to get into it in this webcast, but it's another major thing. And keep in mind, Father Michel said the purification begins this fall. He didn't say it would peak this fall. Right. The, the, unfortunately, the seers have been saying, you know, Pedro Regis has been repeatedly told, you yet have long years of hard trials. This is not going to be bam over. This is going to be a lengthy uh, trial we must endure. But that trial, Father Michel is saying, is going to begin this fall. So we're saying that we're seeing beginnings of it already in October. But again, we're not going to give them a pass. If this fall comes and goes and we don't see the purification, the great events of the purification clearly beginning, then we'll leave his prophecies aside. But it seems that we have seen these great events already beginning in October. Another major event, uh, Daniel, that both of us have seen is this um, incident. And whoops, I have just flipped off the screen here. Uh, three dead women, as uh, three dead as a woman was beheaded in France. And you know, again, uh, if we're talking about things beginning, this is certainly huge. You have um, also the former president, I believe, of Malaysia, saying that the French should be killed. That the, the, by, the, the, by the millions, if I recall that. That's right. The, he made a tweet. He was a former prime minister of Malaysia, but the tweet was deleted. But uh, I, I, I wish I looked this up first. But I believe he said that millions upon millions of French people should be killed, and they deserve it. He says, and that they deserve to be killed. Yeah. So this is, you know, Gisela Cardia in a recent message was told that guerrilla warfare will turn into war. And remember, that's one of Father Michel's major prophecies as well, that there will soon be an outbreak of war. Luz de Maria has been warning of war. Pedro Regis has been warning of war. I sure hope there's not war, but look, the prof- there's a prophetic consensus is beginning to emerge that there is about to be one. So with, we, with all of this violence creeping up, all of a sudden, Giselle Cardia's message is making a lot of sense. Guerrilla warfare with all of these spurts of violence, it's seeming increasingly likely that they will coalesce. And look at all the unrest in America and this resurgence of Islamic terrorism. It's seeming increasingly likely that these will coalesce into an actual war, especially keeping in mind that Iran is one of the, uh, you know, the, the aggressors that Father Michel has singled out being a severely Islamic uh, state that this is going to likely play in this this what we're seeing right now with France is going to likely play into what we'll see outbreak in the world scene soon. That's right. So those are some of the current events, the world events that are taking place right now, but really when we think of purification Daniel, I think both of us are thinking the church. You know, you think of that scripture from 1st <clears throat> Peter where uh, Peter says the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, how will it end for those who do not obey the gospel? The judgment begins, he says, with the household of God. Well, keep that in in the back of your mind tucked away as we continue to look at what has happened in October, two major events involving the Catholic Church. And the first being was the release of Fratelli 
Fratelli Tutti. Uh, this was the encyclical by uh, Pope Francis. I think, Daniel, you mentioned it was, it's probably the largest magisterial statement ever released. Yeah, I hope I didn't misspeak, but if I, if I recall correctly, it's the longest single magisterial document in church history. So, we, neither Mark or I have had a chance yet to read it, which, you know, my beard might be much longer once I do get a chance to. So, we won't, you know, we won't be diving into all sorts of details on it. We just have a few general observations to make. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest observation to maybe make regarding this document is that it, it, and this has been pointed out by other, you know, people, and, and I've gone through it just briefly, little points here and there, but it, it's really, um, it's covering ground that the United Nations is covering right now. And there's a great movement on, and many of you are beginning to hear about it, this movement from the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund, this is all backed by the United Nations, several prime ministers and presidents are all beginning to conspicuously speak of a coming great reset. And this strikes me as rather odd that they're all kind of doing this at the same time, but what we're discovering, I mean, for instance, if we just take up this one this one thing you pointed out on Twitter, Daniel, that is kind of shocking, but this is from 2014. We see the World Economic it's, Forum. Um, I think it's 2016, right? 16, that's is right. That, yeah. 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 Here you have the World Economic Forum promoting their Great Reset, and you've got this guy here, and he's smiling, and it says, you'll own nothing. This is by 2030. You'll own nothing, and you'll be happy. So, this is openly being talked about now, about debt being mm. forgiven, <laughs> it debt being wiped away, but people in return won't own their possessions, they won't own their property, and we are going to head to a whole new form of capitalism is what they're saying, this great reset. Well, at the <clears> same time yeah, now, you've got... Private property, yeah. That's right. And that's, you know, and that's, so... We're talking about the timing here. This eradication of private property, it's clearly what these elite powers that be want. With the, you know, the World Economic Forum is blatantly admitting back in 2016 that this is what they envision for 2030. But now we have it not just being envisioned, but it being actively planned. This is not conspiracy. Just look it up directly on the websites of these powerful institutions themselves. Look at the no, International Monetary Fund website. Look at Time Magazine's last issue. It is completely public. They want to redo the entire financial economic order using coronavirus as their golden opportunity. This is all being planned out, and it is perfectly laying the infrastructure of the Antichrist. It is. And, you know, at the same time, though, you have the Pope in this document um, speaking, for instance, in the section uh, number 118, the heading there, you can see it says, re-envisaging the social role of property. Now, we were talking before the webcast, but you know, if, if a Pope came out, Daniel, during, and, and he said, we need to celebrate each of our nationalities. We need to celebrate who we are, and who we are as a people is a wonderful thing. Rejoice in your diversity. Re, you know, appreciate your nationality. In fact, and in be order strong to... and courageous about it, and yes. fight for it, and like That's those right. are objectively true and good things. But if a pope as you're, said you're that, you're going to say, "What if it was yeah. said?" Sorry. <laughs> no, but if, if a pope go, said go that it. in 1942 during the rise of Hitler, 
everybody be be going, what is Pius the Twelfth saying? Why would he, you know, he didn't say that, but why would he say such a thing? I mean, if he went on and he said, you know, in order to build unity among your your nations, among the people, get them to work to build better infrastructure, pave beautiful highways, people would say, what is he doing? That's exactly what Hitler's right. doing. And so, right. you, we have this encyclical here, and here's the point. We have this new encyclical from the Pope that is at the same time as this whole initiative, the Great Reset, which we know is a socialist Marxist program to bring global communism. That's it in a nutshell, folks. Mm-hmm. At the same time that the UN is doing this, you've got the Pope going through in this encyclical, kind of almost in endorsing kind of some of those ideas. Now, this is a Catholic document. I went through the whole section on the property, for instance, and he's echoing echoing the compendium of social doctrine on property, for instance. It's the timing of it, and that's why people are so uneasy. Plus, you have the Pope also, let's not forget, fully endorsed global warming and the Paris Agreement which also contains clauses that, you know, would support reproductive health. And so all of this has been very disturbing to the faithful that Pope Francis has gone ahead and done some things that other popes haven't done. He's gone further with the United Nations down that road. Right. And he's being, and he knows he's being risky. And, and, you know, I would go further and I would say it's imprudent. But of course, these are magisterial documents. You know, we're Catholics. We submit to the teachings within them on faith and morals. That doesn't mean that because we must submit to their teachings and faith and morals, that there's no possible danger. There's a great danger here. Now, private property, um, Pope Francis has been accused of heresy here. No, he's not teaching heresy in private property. As Mark said, the Compendium of the Social Doctrine has made clear basically what Pope Francis is saying here. There's been a lot of confusion in the Catholic world. I won't go into detail on it, but private property is an absolutely indispensable foundational component of society. Yes, the church teaches that clearly. So it rules out socialism and communism as options. We, a Catholic cannot even consider those as options, yet they are exploding onto the world. However, on an individual basis, private property is not one of the absolute inalienable rights, like life itself is, for example. Pope Francis has simply reiterated that in this particular document, that it's right. not one of the absolute rights. And so, so where, where people are being confused and why this is alarming to people, and I think is a major milestone in October, the release of this encyclical, is at the same time, you've got the people running the whole global reset saying we need to rethink, we need to re-envisage um, gl- capitalism. And, I, we're and now not, they have a, a church document to defer to as allegedly supporting yes, their efforts. With moral th- authority, right. And of course, we're not saying with that capitalism is the highest moral perfect. authority... Yeah. And, you know, so this is all they need to do is claim that they have the voice of the conscience of the world. You know, there, there is no close second to the Pope when it comes to the highest moral voice on earth. Right. There's no close second. So all that the powers that be in the world need in order to really promote their agenda is to claim that Pope Francis is behind it, even though he's not. He, and I'm not, we're, we are not attacking the Pope here. You know, Mark and I both, we're on the same page here. We are faithful to the Pope. We're loyal to the Pope. But we're also open at acknowledging the danger that he is that he is um, not stopping, at least, and that he's allowing because as a result of things that, yeah, he himself has said. And we yeah, haven't absolutely. even gotten to the worst of it yet. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I just want to echo what you said. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, <laughs> Holy Father, I know you're not watching this and get watching the Italian <laughs> translation, but seriously, there is such 
a danger with what is happening right now with the global reset. And we are seeing a, a whole program of control that has been long in the making unfolding. And right now, I think this fratelli tutti, as they would say in Italian, is, I think, dangerously possibly lending a moral authority to that. So that that's that's what we wanted to say. But that, as you said, that's not the biggest thing that happened and that's so the biggest thing i think is what's next real quick you know before we move into that i, I just mm -hmm. want to remind everyone that one of the prophecies of what must happen immediately before the warning hits is the resurgence of global communism and it is looking through this great reset as well as what's happening in modern politics in general that that is sadly almost inevitable and I, I, you know, we, we must always fight against these things. Yes, we don't ever roll over to something is absolutely inevitable because all these prophecies are conditional, at least in their timing. So we still fight for the truth. We still fight for what is good. All we're saying is look at what's happening in the world. And it looks like the time for the fruition of these prophecies mm -hmm. is about at hand with this resurgence of global communism. And, and I believe you're referring to, to Garabandal at this point, because the, yes. the two yeah. this year's at Garabandal, who were the ones who coined the words, the warning, uh, mm -hmm. it was to them, and this is extraordinary, that Our Lady said to them that when, they said, when will this happen, this warning, this illumination? And Our Lady said, when communism returns. Now, communism hadn't fallen yet, so the idea that communism would return right. was a strange statement. And I mean, ultimately, communism is still existing in North Korea, Russia, it hasn't completely fallen, but we're talking about the Cold War and the grip that it seemed to have, that did fall, and now we're seeing it return. And by the way, right. just as a footnote, and I've written about this, Gorbachev, his active in the United Nations with the, the Green Deal and green politics, folks, those are all words uh, just kind of code words for a Marxist ideology. Green politics is all about bringing a socialistic program. People need to be awake and aware of what's going on. But Daniel, you said, as you said... Which is another, you know, Pope Francis wrote Lao Tzu to a C. And that also has all sorts of great stuff in it, but that too is being used and is dangerously timed. So again, we're not attacking the Pope for these things, but we're acknowledging the danger here and how this is all kind of playing into the prophetic overarching picture. So yeah, are we are we moving on to the to the final point now? Well, yeah, but you just made me think but, of something too and I, I just want to say I totally agree with the Holy Father. We're poisoning the planet. We're doing we're doing a, a tremendous damage to our oceans. I mean, I've written a writing called The Great Poisoning about all the ways that humanity is being poisoned, animals being poisoned. So but you know what? The, the whole battle right now isn't about the poisoning of our major corporations. Interesting how they're getting a real pass right now of the chemicals in our foods and chemicals in our products. No one's talking about that. You know what we're talking about? Global warming, which has been wrought with fraud, scientific fraud, and all kinds of problems. So there, there's 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 issues there, ideological issues, and you know we have somebody right from the from the United Nations saying on you know who is part of that that Paris panel saying climate change is all about restructuring the economy. It's not about the environment. I mean they're out they're well, saying I, it yeah, right now. I mean. I, and it seems that they couldn't get what they wanted. I have actually seen the uh, Great Reset described as the Green New Deal on steroids. Uh, yes. So I don't know if that's a valid analysis or not, but it seems that they're, they're oh, yeah. after kind of the same thing. A restructuring of the yeah. whole order in accordance with entirely new principles. So as to further the agenda, which they're not being explicit about yet. Why? Because the agenda is nothing other than the Antichrist agenda. 
And so people and are asking. he's not acting openly yet. He's laying his infrastructure. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, and people are asking, why isn't the Pope warning about that? It's a good question. It's a fair question, I would say. It's a fair question. But let's return then to one of the prophecies given, and this is going to bring us now to our final point we want to talk about, about what has happened in October that is huge, a great momentous thing. And in on October 20th, the day before a documentary, a controversial documentary with Pope Francis was released, you have this message from Pedro Regis on Countdown to the Kingdom. And this is a late from Our Lady where she said, Dear children, the great vessel and a great shipwreck, this is the cause of suffering for men and women of faith. On October 20th, you might have wondered what that was. On October 21st, it might have become a lot clearer because on October 21st is when that documentary came out from Pope Francis in which he states that we need to create civil unions. Now, actually, we should go right to that quote, shouldn't we, Daniel, about what the Pope said. Yeah, let's let's make sure we're getting great clarity here, and there is actually clarity in this particular question. That's right. So, the, we'll, um, we'll go right but, to... You know, oh, there the, it is, okay. Yeah, to Catholic news news agency who who brought this up because there's been a whole lot of discussion about what did the Pope say? Is the translation wrong? Is the context wrong? The documentary was heavily edited and it did change some of the meanings, but it didn't change apparently the meaning of the most controversial part. And this is what Catholic news agency reported about the transcript or part of the video that they saw, that the Pope said this. And these are his words. It is an incongruity to speak of homosexual marriage, but what we have to have is a law of civil union, so they have the right to be legally covered. Now, here's the Pope saying homosexual marriage, and then in the next sentence speaking about a civil union. Now, this is apparently all part, my understanding, from what Catholic News Agency is reporting, all part of the same segment and interview. What's important also is that Time Magazine interviewed the director who said he showed this documentary, this film, to Pope Francis himself on his iPad, and the Pope hasn't asked for this to be changed. The Vatican hasn't issued a statement clarifying it, and that's serious. And the reason it's serious is because the Church has already spoken about these civil unions, Daniel, and whether or not we can allow or agree to allow them. Yeah, and frankly, there's nothing. Frankly, there's nothing to clarify here because it's already clear what he said, and, and it's clearly wrong. Um, and again, I say this with great love for the Pope, I have submission to him, respect for him. Remain. I'm. Oh, I'll always be loyal to him. He's. You know, I'm a Catholic. He's my father. Uh, as a Catholic, he is. He's the father of all Catholics around the world. In fact, all people throughout the world. So we can never waver in our submission to the Pope in our submission to his teachings, his magisterial teachings on faith and morals in remaining obedient to him. Whatever Mark and I say next, and who knows what will come out of our mouths, we'll see. Whatever we say next, it does not at all diminish those realities. We both stand firm in that, and we exhort you, we beg you, we pray that everyone hearing this remain firmly in the ark, remain firmly in the bark of Peter. Because even if he blunders now now and then in his personal opinions, which he did here, He's still the vicar of Christ, and we have to mm-hmm. always remember that. Right, and that's but that's uh, well but said. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to this, um, the the church is abundantly clear 
on the teaching in this matter. When I say the church, I'm referring to magisterial documents here, which we'll get to in a moment. But it's now, you know, Mark, we're saying this, what is it, over about 10 days after this came out? Um, news of this uh, remark of Pope Francis, Ten day, I think this was about 10 days ago. And um, yes, there yeah. has been no clarification, as you said. There's been plenty of time to issue one. So it would be foolish for us to continue to hold our breath and pretend that we have no right to say anything about this. Of course we do. Jesus asked us to be, you know, to not put our light under a bushel basket. The whole world is talking about this. How can we not? We, are, we, we have to acknowledge the truth in this matter, and the truth is in no way ambiguous or unclear. The, um, and there's other messages that I think relate to this. But first, let's take a look at what the church abundantly clearly teaches on this matter. And if you've looked into this at all, you've probably seen this document already. If you haven't, please look it up. It's a 2003 document directly from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. It's still on the Vatican's website. It is binding church teaching on all Catholics. It was written by Cardinal Ratzinger, promulgated by Pope St. John Paul II. This, dear Catholic, is what you must submit to. This is the clear teaching, and here's what it says. This question, and I'm quoting directly from the document here. I don't know if you have it on, on your computer, Mark. Oh, there it is. Yes, yeah. So I'll just, you know, I'm gonna, I'll just read a couple of quick quotes here, and then I'm going to hand it back to you, Mark, for, for some more things here. But it says, this question relates to the natural moral law. Therefore, the arguments that follow are addressed not only to those who believe in Christ, but to all persons. This is such a fundamental question that no one is excused from knowing and submitting to the truth on it. In other words, this is the fundamental natural moral law. Pope Francis has said things in the past as personal opinions that I strongly disagree with. He has said, for example, that it's foolishness to refer to Our Lady as co-redemptrix. He's dead wrong. Our Lady is the co-redemptrix. I solemnly assure you that she is the co-redemptrix. We must, we must revere her as that. I pray that the church will dogmatically proclaim her as that soon. But anyway, he's wrong on that. But like that, that's not the natural law. Uh, you can't just wake up in the morning and realize, yeah, like Our Lady is the co-redemptrix. You need a lot of enlightenment by divine revelation to realize that. So you could be, you know, a lot of people will be excused for not realizing the co-redemptrix. But no one is excused for refusing to heed the natural moral law, which is why this blunder of Pope Francis, this particular error that he's voiced as a personal opinion, it's far worse than anything that has happened to date. This is the most clear error. It's not just ambiguous. It's a clearly stated error on a fundamental tenant of the most important aspects of the natural law itself. Mm-hmm. Before I drone on about that anymore, Mark, did you have, can, can you jump in with anything? Well, you know, I I think you know for we we know there's probably people watching this who have same sex attraction, and I, I think it's worth it to repeat that you know this teaching of the Catholic Church of forbidding civil unions it has to do with homosexual acts, that homosexual acts are outside of God's order, that God created us man and woman, and He created us for a conjugal union that is complementary, that union which then becomes the building block, the cell of of you know actually 
marriage actually precedes society. It is from marriage, from that cell of the, the man and the woman, the family, that society then grows. So this is all about the church saying, no, these acts are intrinsically disordered. They're not ordered toward the good of either the people who are engaged in them. They're not ordered toward the good of society. And so it's with love that the church is saying this. I mean, the church also says to us who are heterosexual, you know, you you, you can't have unions outside of marriage because that's not ordered also toward your good and the good of society. And we, we have to only look around us at what pornography and, and lust, what has done and how it's decayed and corrupted our society. So Mother Church knows what she's talking about. So this isn't about saying the church is against love. No, the church is saying that our love has to be ordered ordered in, in God's order because even heterosexuals or people with same sex you know people who have you know who are heterosexual even they have to order their love even uh, someone who is married has to practice chastity uh, purity toward their in their relationship toward their wife there's times of abstinence when you you're 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 planning your family out properly there's there still has to be purity toward your spouse it's not just a free for all so again there's a whole you know this is a whole other topic but it's worth it just to inject at this point yeah, i know there's definitely. people suffering with same-sex attraction they're struggling with it they write me you know here in my country daniel by the way another sign of the times is our government is pushing through a law to not allow anyone to counsel someone who is struggling with their same-sex attraction and that you would dare say to a woman that you're a woman and that you god has a plan for you and god will help you through this this struggle because it is a struggle for many people i, I read their letters so anyway, this is enough that we wanted to just say. But everything that you're just saying right now, Daniel, let me just, and then I'll toss it back to you. This isn't about Pope Francis. This is right. what Pope Francis has said about civil unions. This is, yeah. Our objection to that is not about Pope Francis. It's about right. these men and women that I just talked about. Yeah, and this is, there's just a fundamental confusion in how so many in the mainstream church are de- are reacting to this news because like they've 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 acquired this knee-jerk reaction for years and years and years whenever something whenever there's you know one of the news stories about what pope francis said last it's like they pre-wrote the whole story it's like okay this is ambiguous this is confusing pope francis really actually thinks this yada 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 we could use a little more clarity that's not the case here first of all that's a category mistake. This is not about Pope Francis. We know that he's against gay marriage. We know that he doesn't approve of homosexual acts. We know that. We know he hasn't changed doctrine. Saying, don't worry, doctrine hasn't changed, that, that's about as useful as saying, don't worry, 2 plus 2 is still 4. We know that. We know that's right. not going to change. The question here is, what are the effects of what Pope Francis just said? What are the effects of his words, his publicly clearly stated words, on the billions of souls looking to him for guidance, whether they're Catholic or not, as the highest moral voice of conscience on earth, which in fact he is, whether or not uh, he acts prudently with that lofty stature. So this is a teaching of pure love that the church has, as Mark said. The worst thing you can do for someone who's destroying his soul through sin is to encourage him along in that sin. And the church has always understood that. Anything, anything that would act as an endorsement of a sinful behavior is itself a sin. If you have an alcoholic that you're trying to help, you don't you don't flood him with more alcohol. If you have anyone with any sin that they're dealing with, you don't create an institution 
to endorse and bless that sin. It doesn't matter that you're not calling it marriage. It doesn't matter that you're only calling it a civil union. It's still an endorsement of an intrinsically, gravely, perversely disordered inclination. And this is not my opinion. This is magisterial church teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm reading directly from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith document there. Let me just take a quick excerpt from paragraph 10 of that. It says, If it is true that all Catholics are obliged to oppose the legal recognition of homosexual unions, Catholic politicians are obliged to do so in a particular way. Now, a brief note on that. That's a rhetorical phrasing. It's not actually positing the premise of that as a hypothetical. It's granting it as a fact. It's acknowledging that it is true. Paragraph 10 there of that document is acknowledging that it is absolutely true that all Catholics, meaning you, if you're a Catholic, and frankly, this is all people because this is a natural law, remember, but especially all Catholics are obliged to oppose the legal recognition of homosexual unions. That is abundantly clear magisterial church teaching. That is what binds you, dear Catholic, not an opinion voiced publicly by Pope Francis in a secular documentary. You and, have and a choice yet, to make. And yet what we're seeing, Daniel, is uh, bishops suddenly getting on board with this. You've got, of course, Father James Martin, a very controversial priest who now is clearly in error because he's out now saying, this is it, that we're promoting this. Mm-hmm. He's in complete contradiction to the document you're reading, which is magisterial teaching. Father James, you are not permitted to go against it. God bless you, sir, but you cannot, Father. And so what you have now, of course, with this loose statement that the Vatican is not corrected, neither has the Pope. You've got, for instance, uh, President Rodrigo uh, Duarte, I can't say his name right, why even try, the President of the Philippines, who's, you know, they're now saying with no less than the Pope supporting this, uh, civil unions, I think even the most conservative of all Catholics in Congress should no longer have a basis for objecting. Look, Daniel and I could go on and on right now about the number of people, including bishops, who are coming out now and saying, hey, this is the new thing now, we're going to support civil unions. And make no mistake, this is a great shipwreck. I think what Pedro said, what Our Lady rather said to Pedro the day before Daniel, we are seeing it now. We saw it the next day. I mean, yes. we're we're at a time right now where prophecy is being fulfilled almost within days of it being uttered. If you're following the series mm-hmm. on Countdown to the Kingdom, you know that. Yeah, and I mean, this. there's a number of other prophecies that I think speak of what's happening now. Gisela Cardia was given a message on October... Sorry, I've got like three different monitors in front of me here. I'm going back and forth. But um, <laughs> October 27th, she's got a message. And here I am looking up... Sorry, I'm off the screen now. But she was told a number of things in this October 27th message that everything will yes. collapse. This, this is, is Jesus speaking to her. Shortly, I will intervene. The great thunder is about to arrive. I already quoted earlier in the webcast, guerrilla warfare will turn into war, but then the sacraments will no longer be given. Now we're seeing that happening again, and it's going to be worse, because this is, again, remember, no longer a test. It's the purification beginning. Everything will change, and wait for it, the apostasy is to become official. Wow. I think that's a reference to what we're about to see. Now, don't Mm -hmm get me wrong. Don't ever forget what we said earlier. We submit to the actual magisterium of the Pope. We're not claiming he's a heretic. We are not claiming he's going to formally teach heresy or that he has. No. The point is, 
we're anticipating, well, we don't know the future, but we're anticipating here that there will be some sort of perhaps uh, concession from the Vatican that, yeah, that stands. You know, Pope Francis' statement stands. That's that's how it is. No clarification. Run with it. Right. Um, the, the, you know, when, when Jesus founded the church on Peter, you know, you'd read, pick up your Bible and read Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He didn't say, you are Peter, and sometime from now, you're going to move to Rome. And then and then long after that, there's going to be a little city-state within Rome called the Vatican. And every and, and long after that, there's going to be a number of curial departments formed. And, and they're going to generate certain public relations statements. And all those statements are going to be guaranteed. No. He said, you are Peter and the gates of, on, on your, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Mm-hmm. So the church, we have this promise in Peter. It does not apply to every little statement that comes out from the Vatican. They, w- this apostasy becoming official, of course, does not mean that Jesus' promise to Peter will be, will, will be overturned. No, that will always will stay true until the end of time. But that there will be perhaps some sort of formal endorsement from the worldly bureaucrats in the Vatican of this, right. frankly, error that Pope Francis has just voiced. That's right. And of course, the apostasy is led by people who fall away from the faith. It's not going to be led by the vicar of Christ, by the by the Pope. Although what is happening right now, make no mistake, and I'm convinced of this, that if this documentary is let to stand, unless Pope Francis turns around and very vocally corrects what has happened, I believe that this statement, this documentary, will lead to a persecution in the church especially in the West, such the likes we have not seen since the French Revolution. Yeah, because we will have apparently no excuse anymore for our homophobia. Because now that the Pope, now that even the Pope has said civil unions are okay, which they're not. So we must add, Pedro Regis for years has been, the messages he's been receiving have been constantly reiterating the need to stay with the true magisterium. Mm-hmm. Why would heaven be saying that to him if it weren't for the fact that soon there would be a shadow magisterium imitating the true magisterium? Now, there is not ambiguity here. I just read to you what the magisterium itself mm-hmm. actually says. That is very, yeah. clear. It's very clear. That's what you must stick with. The shadow magisterium has been forming, especially in the recent years, but especially in the last month. The shadow magisterium, certain bishops are going to run with it. You look at the bishops in Germany, they're going to run with it. You look at bishops in other places like Poland, they're probably going to stay true. But the sifting is happening. We're already seeing all sorts of bishops, as Mark mentioned. I'm, we're not going to name them here. Because what's the point in naming them? Because new ones will come by tomorrow. You don't. It's not about individuals here. It's about the truth. Don't get distracted by gossip and stuff. It doesn't even matter. Know the truth of Jesus, know the truth of the magisterium, and you'll be safe. Stick with that no matter who fails to stick with it. We've got some names of people who are doing a great job sticking with it so far. Should we share those? Sure, yeah. Did, did you have on the screen, by the way, the quote from uh, Cardinal Mueller? Did, was well, that already I, on the screen? Or? I did have the I did have the headline up just a little bit earlier there okay. with uh, Cardinal Mueller saying you can and there, should oh, there disagree is, yeah. the Pope's opinion. Yeah. Can and should. And we... we, we Cardinal Mueller remains a loyal Catholic. He's, of course, a cardinal, which means he's also a Catholic. He's loyal to the Pope, but he's acknowledging we can and should disagree. We've got other bishops. Bishop Thomas Tobin of Rhode Island has been speaking wonderfully on this. Bishop Strickland, Cardinal Burke. Um, We are not left as orphans. There are still shepherds shepherding us, but they are very rare and they will remain rare, I'm afraid. There will be far more joining with the spirit of this age. 
There is one archbishop, though, who's really making waves, and that is Archbishop mm-hmm. Vigano. And Archbishop Vigano has come out and spoken directly about the Great Reset. And I have read his open letter that he wrote to uh, President Donald Trump. And you can see it right here. I've actually got this is the actual letter itself, an open letter. And he speaks about this Great Reset. He speaks about this shadow church that uh, Daniel was talking about, a false church that is rising that will bring about this great apostasy and make it official. Um and Archbishop Vagano has really stuck out in this way, uh, very vocal, very bold. I haven't talked about him very much. Maybe one of the reasons for that, and I'll just be bold, and I again, I, I appreciate that Archbishop Vigano has been bold. He's tried to bring uh, into the, to the opening uh, the issues surrounding uh, former Cardinal McCarrick and the sexual abuse. He feels there's been a cover-up in the church. He's made allegations. Uh, he's named people. And maybe as in the same in this letter, he, he you know, he's naming Joe Biden. Uh, you know, who, who knows when you're watching this, the election may or may not be over. But he says a lot of things. It's pretty sharp rhetoric. But he does say one thing that I, I just thought we should highlight. He says, as is now clear, the one who occupies the chair of Peter has betrayed his role from the very beginning in order to defend and promote the globalist ideology supporting the agenda of the deep church who chose him from its ranks. Well, I'm just going to say it right out, Daniel. I I think this statement is very problematic because what you have here is Archbishop Vigano. You know, for people who are kind of new to this stuff and following it, their immediate thought is, my God, the, the Pope is aligning with the Antichrist, and the Pope is purposely doing this from the very beginning of his pontificate. He's supporting the agenda of the deep church, which we agree with Archbishop Vigano, it's Freemasonry and so on that has infiltrated the church, and that they chose him from its its ranks. And he's referring here probably to the St. Gallen Mafia, who, by the way, were active during Pope Benedict's election. They were trying to get Cardinal uh, Jorge Bergoglio elected during that election. And then they disbanded after that. Boy, I'm, I'm just going to say this. If you want to look at any election that maybe was kind of messed with, it's Pope Benedict's election because they were actually active. But we have no proof. We have no proof that they changed the election results. We don't have a single bishop, saint, or cardinal rather, none. None of the ones you just mentioned, like Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Sarah, none of the tradition, you know, the ones we know as conservative, so-called conservative bishops were just Catholic and cardinals. So, we don't have proof of this. So, again, here's a statement that it, it's very strong, and I think it's very divisive. And that statement alone is, I think, risking schism. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad saying this, because I know a lot of people are like sending me this letter and say, you got to read it, this is... But you know what? We cannot pit ourselves against the Pope. The, the direction we have to take with the Pope is the very one that Paul took in Galatians chapter 2.11. He went up to Jerusalem, or Antioch. He met Peter to his face. He said, Peter, you are not in line with the gospel. Shape up. And that's really what, what needs to happen in the church, a fraternal correction. Not, I, I think this is dangerous. I, you know, that's my personal no. opinion. Daniel, you might feel different. But I feel this kind of rhetoric is actually fomenting schism in the church and, and sowing, a, you know, yeah. it's more than just criticizing the, the, the Pope. It's saying that the Pope is basically actively doing this. And I, I think that's he's crossed into dangerous territory. 
Yeah, you've got to remember, and I know I've said this a number of times, but the razor thin, straight and narrow has now become microscopic. The straight and narrow way of truth, the straight and narrow way of our Lord. If something is straight and narrow, that means that you can fall off it on the left or on the right. And look, obviously, the vast majority of people are falling off it on the left, siding with the world and its worldliness and this homosexuality and adultery and perversion. Yeah, that's the biggest, that's the most common danger. Yes, don't, of course it is. But it's also possible to fall off the razor thin straight and narrow on the right. And that is what also a very non-negligible number of Catholics are doing today by falling into de facto schismatic attitudes. Look, if these claims made against Pope Francis were true, they would be claims that are so grave that they would constitute an accusation that he is the false prophet himself. And we know from this from the book of Revelation that this will be only that the false prophet will reign no more than three and a half years. Pope Francis has already been pope for over seven over seven years. Anything that would constitute that grave an accusation is refuted by scripture. But it's also refuted above all by the fact that as we said, Christ promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against right. Peter. Pope Francis is the Pope. As no cardinal has refuted the validity of the election. Every argument I've seen that tries to refute its validity appeals to all of this canonical minutiae about the Latin that Benedict used to resign, which is a philosophical fallacy of trying to judge the, in, the superior by the inferior. The Pope himself, the, he himself is the earthly source of this authority within the church. He could snap his fingers and abrogate all canon law and replace it with a new set of canon law. You cannot judge his acts that are obvious and public and clear and formal by standards intrinsically inferior to themselves. That will not work. Pope Francis is the Pope. Act like it. Yeah, and I, I you know, even Pope Benedict got angry. And uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with this interview with Peter Seewald, and I'm just going, you know, off of the top of my head, but he basically said, it's utter nonsense, those who say that, um, you know, I was driven out of the Vatican. You know, I, I read on Facebook and so on all the time, people saying, Pope Benedict is the Pope. And he's refuted that three times now publicly, saying it's utter nonsense, those who are saying that. He's appeared in public, embracing Francis. There's a real filial love between them. So, people who say he's the Pope, and say that he, some people say that, you know, Pope Benedict, uh, you know, he, he, he actually purposely kind of stepped down. This was all kind of his plan. It, it, people can't see how utterly nonsensical that is. Because if, if Pope Benedict was still the Pope, he still kept his ring, and he still, he changed the Latin a little bit just to remain the Pope. That means Pope Benedict actively and willfully enabled an anti-Pope to take his place and therefore lead the faithful astray. Moreover, that means that Pope Benedict lied to the church when he said, I did this in full conscience, it was according to my full capacity, I wasn't forced out, which is what people are saying, he was forced out. You know, they're turning Benedict into a liar while trying to say, he's my Pope. So, there's so many contradictions with this. We, we need to just stop this. Uh, you know, there come, I hate the words conspiracy theory, but there comes a point where you got to let it go. Besides, you know, it would take another Pope... Or it would take maybe a council in the future to really overturn uh, this election, probably long after Francis is gone. So, people who are sitting there yeah. hoping for that, what you yeah, ought to do, your put your energy in praying for Francis. Put your energy in yeah. praying for this man. Because Jesus 
in one second could appear to him tonight and say, Francesco, no, 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 Francesco, you need to fix this. Francesco. (laughs) Or he might say, Francesco, come home. <laughs> well, we'll come home, but but you know, look, we started this webcast with with Father Michel, and and you know that brings us to the point. And goodness, I don't know how we're doing on time because I didn't start my timer, but I we hope we're still within left. our time. We got a few, okay, yeah. so you know that so that's a good time for us to bring up Father. We we started this with Father Michel. Father Michel, mm-hmm. hope I'm not misquoting me here because I don't have the quote in front of me, but he said something to the effect of Pope Francis will eventually realize his errors, repent of them, and try to fix the damage, but it'll be too late. Right. And I think that that prophecy, if it's valid, and we're st- again, we're still discerning Father Michel's prophecies, we'll see. We're taking a wait-and-see approach while taking him seriously in the meantime. Um, that, I think, will be a reference to this blunder we're seeing now. Pope Francis will realize the damage that he has done, and boy, has he done damage, by endorsing homosexual civil unions. I believe he will repent of that in the near future, but that it will be too late. Because the church, uh, sorry, the world, and yes, many in the church will have run with that and turned it into a persecution like we've never they seen already before. Are. They yeah. already are. That's what we're in for now. So what do we need to do? We need to take the other part of Father Michel's advice, which is pray yeah. the rosary be in a state of grace yeah. and then trust. You have nothing to fear. If you trust completely in Our Lady, if you remain in a state of grace close to the sacraments, you have nothing to fear in what's coming. Oh, but there's the quote itself. Take a look at it in his own words. Make sure that you are in a state of grace by having made your general confession to a Catholic priest. The month of the rosary will see great things, he says, but be ready with the rosary to disarm Satan and to protect our people. And by the way, many of the seers on Countdown of the Kingdom are saying the same thing. Pray the rosary every day now. Every day. Pray it. Pray it. Pray it. It's powerful. We know it. Our church exorcists, those of you who are Protestants, our church exorcists tell us the Hail Mary is so powerful. Why? Because it was predicted in Genesis 3.15 that this woman and this, her offspring would crush the head of the serpent. Other ver- uh, the Latin version says that her heel will crush. It means the same thing. Whether it's Jesus through her or whether it's her heel, it's all Jesus doing it through this woman. And so we we know that Our Lady is powerful. She's been given to us at this time. We ought to pray that rosary. I'm doing it with my, my family every day. And also confession. Remain in a state of grace, which means to have no mortal sin in your soul. Go to confession. In fact, brothers and sisters, go while you can. Be in a state of and grace. Look, and as we say this, it's too late for some people already, isn't it? Mm. It's Lockdowns too late for people in some countries where they're locked down and the sacraments are all but outlawed. In fact, they are outlawed in some places. You think that can't happen again to where you live? Think again. Get to confession while you can. Pray like you've never prayed before. Do those things and you will be ready for what's coming. You have nothing to fear. A priest said to me, Daniel, many years ago in 2008, he said, "Our St. Therese, the child Jesus, appeared to him. And she said, just like in my country, in France, she said, a revolution is coming to your country. She said, the bars of your churches, doors will be closed, and the Eucharist, the kiss of Christ, will be given in clandestine places. We're just days away from that, probably. Months away, weeks away, I should say. In some places, it's probably already begun, priests secretly giving Jesus in private to people. Brothers and sisters, these are extraordinary times. And in the end, Our Lady is going to triumph. Our Lord is going to triumph. Evil is going to reach its apex. 
it's going to exhaust itself. And so we need to be prepared. We need to prepare our children, not in a way to frighten them, but to prepare them in a way spiritually that we're going to go through these trials, these days of glory in which we witness to our Lord. So pray for the Pope. Pray really hard for him. Pray for him. I wouldn't want to be the Pope. Pray for us too. I'm Mark Mallett with my colleague, Daniel O'Connor, and we, we thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time. Good night. God bless you.